Offshore Oyster. Welcome back, everyone. Pete Van Epps. Uh, welcome to the Camera Rooks podcast. So on this episode, I interview Angela Jung. Angela is a former Army military intelligence officer who transitioned to Russell Reynolds Associates. So Russell Reynolds is an executive search firm. And the reason I said the world is your oyster, because we get down this road of career management. And she ultimately lands on the place through all of all. She describes her transition experience. And she started in New York City. And now she's down in Miami and looking at explaining how she got there and all the opportunities she has and why she made certain choices. And she said, the world is your oyster. And I said, you know, I'm going to make the title of this podcast something related to that, because that's such a good point. And it's one of the major points that she makes in this conversation. And I think in the military, we tend to think very in very binary ways. You know, I'm either in the military or I'm not in the military. But in corporate America, at least in Angela's experience, the world is her oyster. And so she kind of walks through that. And I really appreciated the way she made that point. The other big point that she made in the conversation is she talked about seeing herself functionally first, as opposed to, hey, I'm interested in this specific industry or that specific company, because because there's so much out there that start first functionally, see yourself, are you, you know, are you operationally minded? Are you, um, you know, analysis oriented? Are you customer focused, whatever it might be, because that can drive a lot of one, how you see yourself, but then two, how you can build a strategy for interviewing different opportunities when you make your transition. So I really had a fun time fun time talking to her. She's got some very good insight. She's in an interesting role. She's moving along in her career. As a matter of fact, she just received word that she got a promotion a couple of weeks ago. So she's just she's just um, a rising star at her organization, and I'm excited for you to hear her experience. So. Without further ado, here's Angela. All right, Angela, thank you so much for uh, spending a couple of minutes with us and uh, uh, sharing with us a little about your your background and where you're headed. Thanks for joining the podcast. Absolutely, Pete. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it was, yeah, of course, you and I chatted here before I hit the record button, and it was really good to uh, catch up with you and just kind of hear uh, you know, it's been a while since you and I have talked and caught up ever since you made the transition four years ago. So I'm excited to hear about what's going on with you professionally and kind of all of those things. So why don't we start by just sharing with everyone a little bit about your military experience prior to the transition, just so we can get a level of set of level set of where you came from in the military. Absolutely. So I was in the military from 2011 to 2015, um, did my four-year Army service, uh, initially joined by graduating from the University of Miami through the ROTC program. So upon graduating, commissioned, and I became a military intelligence officer, um, was assigned to Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. So it was a pretty great location to be at, um, except for Monday through Friday when we're all working really hard training. But um, as a a military intelligence officer, I had different staff roles, um, various leadership roles, running platoons of you know roughly about 40 soldiers or so. But over that time, um, gained a lot of officer leadership experience, uh, learned a lot about cybersecurity, information security. But ultimately, over those four years, um, as that that timeline was growing closer and closer to the end, whether I decide to stay in or get out, um, I realized that uh, the 20-year military career was 
not what I wanted to continue pursuing. So I knew that I wanted to take um, take a different career route and might as well start earlier than later in my career. So, mm-hmm. um, so that that was my decision to uh, to leave the army after four years. And so I left as a captain in 2015, and um, obviously went through the Cameron Brooks program, and it's been really right. successful for me. And um, been with the same firm that I initially got placed into. So. Um, yeah, I'm still here today, and it's been an exciting journey, and yeah, happy to share more details about that. So tell us more about, tell us who Russell Reynolds Associates is first, and then let's let's kind of get into why you made that choice, why you ultimately went to go and work there. Yeah, so Russell Reynolds Associates is a global executive search firm. So to simply put it, um, the easiest correlation I can make is it's an executive like C-suite, vice president, um, you know, senior leadership level in the corporate space, um, kind of like what Cameron Brooks does for us junior military officers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's working with different clients, different organizations, and they can be varied from Fortune 500 to, you know, small private companies. Um, and essentially, we look to help them solve leadership problems. Um, and, and so we're we're a little bit of a hybrid from a recruiting firm, but also a leadership consulting and advisory firm as well. So, gotcha. Um, yeah. And um, and why did you, you had choices, you came to the conference, had a bunch of interviews, why did you ultimately select Russell Reynolds? Yeah, so, and I tell a lot of people this as they're, they're weighing different options when they're transitioning out. Um, and for me, the biggest thing that I wanted was the right fit in terms of where can I see myself staying at a long time when I make that initial mm-hmm. leap out into, you know, corporate America. And Russell Reynolds, for me was the best fit in that regard. Um, I had a couple of different other uh, interviews and other opportunities. I think a lot of them were in sales and other varied consulting as well. But with Russell Reynolds, what I fell in love with was one, the culture and everyone that I met, every conversation that I had, I just felt like I could really get along with these people and I could learn a lot from these people, but also Mm. just by nature of what we do at this firm. um, I mean, we cover all industries, all functions. So uh, me specifically, I'm in our technology practice, but with my information security background, um, I actually do a lot of chief information security officer searches. So a lot of cybersecurity leaders in the, in the private sector. So beyond that though, I think, you know, the passion that we all have as military officers, that passion around leadership, I still get mm-hmm. to see that today and working with the best leaders in businesses, um, you know, no, no matter what kind of background or what kind of organization, all these leaders and getting to work with them and talk to them and learn from them and see how they have successfully grown up in their careers. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, it also just placing them in different organizations, you know, at that kind of high senior level, you're not just putting an executive in an organization and it only impacts that small universe of an organization. It kind of indirectly impacts the industry and, you know, business Mm -hmm. in general. So having that kind of Mm -hmm. indirect influential ability to make the business or make business in general a better working place and um, whether it's around innovation or whether it's around transformation, um, you know, just being a part of that, it just really, really resonated with me. Now, this, this is a, a bit of a, a question that I, I think I know the answer to, but long before 
or, or long before you came to the career conference, maybe the first time you and I met, and certainly right before you came to the conference, had you heard of Russell Reynolds before? Did you know that there was a <laughs> such an such a thing called Russell Reynolds who did the type of work that you just described? I did not. I had no idea that executive search and recruiting was a real business and a real thing. It's very wizard behind the curtain. And to me, it sounded really exciting because it was kind of um, a little similar to, you know, being military intelligence or kind of doing a lot of stuff under the radar, but has a big impact. And that kind of aspect was kind of interesting, too. It's like, wow, these people, these wizards behind the curtain, they do really big, interesting things, but they're just not really well known unless, you know, you're at that senior executive level and you're being recruited for different things. But um, but yeah, I had no idea that this was even a thing before I got recruited to be a recruiter. Well, and I think that's important because, and obviously I, I, that's such a leading question, but I think it's so important because, you know, as you and I were chatting before we, you know, hit the record button, so to speak, I mean, I, we, we, Cameron Brooks help military officers think in big terms, you know, team leadership, business analysis, sales, engineering, these massive terms, but I mean, there's so much nuance to all of these different organizations. And, you know, if we first time we met, if I would have said, hey, I think you're going to be really good at this executive search firm that I know about, you'd have been like, well, okay, I guess, or maybe. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really neat that uh, that, that is how that played out. Um, tell us what you did when you first started working there. What was your initial role? And, and, and you started in New York, so, right? Did you start in New York City? I did start in New York City. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what you did, like right when you first started. What was your primary roles and responsibilities, and then, and then maybe how did that relate to some of your MI experience? Mm-hmm. So when I first joined uh, Russell Reynolds in the New York office, I started off as a research associate. Uh, so researchers here at the firm essentially were kind of the backbone of the organization, where we um, are the first to go out to the market and identify and research who are the best people in the space, whether we already know them with our existing network or if they're on the cutting edge of new technologies such as um, data analytics, digital, anything like that, you know, where can we find these people? So it was it was actually pretty similar to what we did in, in MI and in military intelligence, you know, building target packages on, um, you know, different political leaders or, you know, terrorist leaders um, and really understanding the environment that they operate in and why they are so significant in their environments. And so, you know, with these executives that we place into these organizations, um, understanding their organizational climate, their leadership style, what kind of influence they have. Um, So that's the kind of research that we do um, around people, Mm -hmm. but also organizations and just industries. Um, So I started off as a research associate. um, And as you said, I've been with the firm for almost four years now, got promoted, I think about a year and a half or two years ago to research consultant which was the next level up. And um, actually, literally this month, I was just promoted again to be an associate in training. So um, that's transitioning more towards the direct client-facing, client management and consulting role. So pretty excited about that that progression. So so yeah, initially started at at New York. Congratulations, by the way. That's pretty neat. So tell us more. What what will you do as as uh, as an associate? So as an associate, it's still 
relying on your existing network, but also being able to be scrappy and identify new sources, uh, you know, new talent that we can bring to the table around leadership. So um, as an associate, it's less of the heavy, um, I, I guess, supporting role. And it's more of I'm the owner of my own projects and my own assignments and, you know, managing the client relationship. And there, you know, there are, um, you know, senior partners that are supporting me and making sure that I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm doing the right thing and I'm staying on the right track. Uh, but sure. um, but it's more of that direct ownership over the client management, client negotiation, and helping them understand what the market dynamics are around the different type of leaders that they're looking for. So you would be, or you you are working with companies who are looking for the right type of leadership, right? Is that That's what right. I'm hearing? That's okay, right. so who's who's going to find, you know, who's going to find the the candidates, or uh, what what do you call the candidates? The people who who would be placed in a role in you know one of your clients' positions. Yeah, so we uh, we do call them candidates. So if they're okay. interested in pursuing the opportunity, they're interested in learning more and willing to meet the client, and you know, of course, the client has an interest in their background, um, then we we consider them to be candidates as well. So um, hmm. researchers, you know, what I've been doing over the last four years, we're primarily responsible for identifying these new candidates. But um, a lot of the consultants, which is you know what I'm transitioning towards, they mm -hmm. have their existing rolodex, so to speak, of of candidates. Mm -hmm. That they already know, but rely on the researcher support um, to to bring fresh, new, you know, creative and outside the box thinking ideas if necessary. Yeah. So, would you say that there? It sounds like it, and so maybe we can explore that. Would you say that there is a business development component to kind of the associate and consultant roles, where Absolutely. perhaps that wasn't the case with the research associate and consultant? Absolutely. So researchers can be involved in the client-facing side of things, but it's more mm -hmm. of like a passive, you know, fly on the wall, you're listening, you're taking notes, and mm -hmm. really digesting mm -hmm. what we need to know. Um, mm -hmm. From being on the consulting side, it's definitely more of that winning business mentality where you're out mm -hmm. there, you're, you know, kind of keeping your ear to the ground, so to speak, on, you know, where are their windows of opportunity? Where can we go and, you know, help other organizations? You know, what are big leadership gaps. Like we might see in the news, oh, you know, this one company just let go of their chief financial officer, then, oh, maybe that's a new opportunity for us to help them. So mm -hmm. um, it's definitely identifying uh, windows of opportunity, but also going to the client and convincing them and selling them on that, the value add that we bring by partnering with us to help them find the right kind of leaders because it's a costly investment, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, at that C-suite level, it's, you know, you make the wrong hiring decision, decision it can mm -hmm. potentially be worth millions of dollars that are uh, down the drain if you make the wrong hire, right? Um, and it's, it's a long time to recover from that and then a long time to, again, find the right person for that. So um, we can mm -hmm. bring that kind of shortcut by adding our subject matter expertise around the industry or the function and really help them understand and give them more color and context um, that they normally you know, wouldn't be able to just gleaning off of mm -hmm. a resume. Man, that is really good. I, uh, you, you just sound so like tuned in. It's just very, very impressive. Um, let me change gears. Let's talk a little bit. I know you and I had talked about maybe digging into this topic a little bit. When, mm -hmm. when you were in the Army and, and preparing to make your transition, we had multiple conversations about 
your interest in doing a career search that you know was focused in and around the Northeast, and you had a pretty strong preference for the Northeast. I think you were open to a lot of things and probably saw some things outside of the Northeast, but really had an interest in Northeast. You're not currently in New York. You're in a different spot, which I want to get to in a moment. But tell us a little bit um, about your mentality in the transition um, and finding a role that fit your, you know, because it doesn't sound like, I guess where I'm going, it doesn't sound like you necessarily chose Russell Reynolds because it was in the Northeast. Sounds like it's just a great fit where you could grow with the organization. And, and oh, by the way, thank goodness it happened to be in the Northeast. But tell us what you were thinking about during that period. Definitely. Um, so I have to say, overall, it was definitely more at the latter of what you spoke of, where you know I was open to opportunities, but Russell Reynolds just ended up being, fortunately for me, the perfect opportunity, the perfect growth opportunity and transition from the military to corporate America, but also just location-wise, it ended up being being in New York, which is <laughs> what I wanted initially. And um, I know early on in our Cameron Brooks process, um, you know, you and I spoke several years ago about wanting the Northeast, mm -hmm. but, you know, I met with different companies and had different interviews in Wichita, Kansas, or Chicago, mm -hmm. Illinois. One role would have been in San Francisco, but I think the important thing is you can still have, you know, as a Cameron Brooks candidate, you can still have your top preference in mind, but you you should not turn down an opportunity or be unwilling to give an opportunity a chance because, you know, some of these opportunities um, and different companies that I interviewed with, they were all phenomenal. And to, to, you know, prematurely shut down an opportunity just by geography alone, um, I, I knew that probably wouldn't be um, the best in my, my career development. But I think, you know, I was just one of those lucky people that ended up finding the best opportunity for me. And it was, right at home where I wanted to be again. Um, and, you know, clearly I'm not in New York City anymore. Uh, I'm actually now in, uh, based in Miami. And so our firm just launched a new office in Miami. My boss was the head of that. So um, she asked me, would you be interested in being part of this Miami office and Southeast, you know, expansion and growth? And I, I thought it was a really appealing opportunity for me because I actually went to the University of Miami. Mm -hmm. I was familiar with Miami. So it, it just, it, it was just, you know, too good an opportunity to turn down. And, um, you know, I've been with the firm for three years at that point. I said, you know what, this sounds like a really fun and interesting adventure, um, both mm -hmm. personally and professionally to, you know, have something else where I have that comfort of still being with the same organization that I still love and I'm learning so much from. But um, also being in a new environment in a new growth space where there's a lot more adventure that can come my way as well. So, um, that, see, that's such a good point. I want to I want to vamp on that. I just don't know exactly what the right question to ask. So you started, and my experience, by the way, is very similar. I when I transitioned, and and by the way, I think most officers experience like most people end up finding their way to their preference not not everyone every you know so i've seen people that are really thinking about a guy in particular who really wanted to be in nashville but he ultimately selected a role out in california with a with a global winery and and a very recognized company out out west and so i i but i think most people do that when i transition i'm originally from texas i started my career in texas and and i moved around but i but i had a lot of control over that so i guess my question to you is, 
is, and maybe you've started to go down this road a little bit, but but you know once once you're working at a company and see an opportunity, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I kind of like my ideal location, but man, I feel like I can do so much in this in this new location. So what was going through your mind? Like, gosh, this is a major move for me. Should I, you know, should I leave? Like maybe maybe that's my question. What was going through your mind in order to make a decision like that? Uh, to move or consider leaving yeah, to move, you know, physically yeah. from New York? or Yeah, I, I guess so, but really more moving down to Florida. Yeah, different environment, different mm-hmm. weather, <laughs> different people, <laughs> different everything. Yeah, so there were a lot of moving pieces uh, to consider. I think one being that I was in New York where I wanted to be. You know, that's where my family mm-hmm. is. You know, I had a lot of personal ties there. Um, so coming, you know, being stationed out in Hawaii, that was so far from home. I was just craving to go back home again. But the decision to move to Miami was, one, I was already familiar with Miami, and I knew I loved it when I lived there for my undergrad. Um, so that that was one positive. Another one was, you know, in the New York office, where, how we're structured. My boss was my boss, but there was also an office manager. So the reporting relationship was a little bit more matrix, whereas my boss spearheading the launch of our Miami office was more of like a direct, you know, there's no kind of you know, reporting to the New York office head versus reporting to my boss simultaneously. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. my boss is my boss, both office and, um, you know, practice. Um, So that was another positive as well. And I think it's kind of funny because when I was leaving the military, I remember thinking, yeah, I don't want to uproot and move every three to four years, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there's Mm -hmm. something in us that, um, you know, after three years in New York, I was just starting to get the itch on, you know, maybe let's call it like a PCS move, right? You know, what mm-hmm. what else is there, you know, and should I consider this move? Should I consider this new adventure? Um, so mm-hmm. being part of a, a growth story within our firm where I've already, um, you know, have a track record of success in the work that I've done and the relationships that I've built. So um, having that support system and you know, being able to leverage that in this new growth opportunity, it was just so unique. And it, at mm. that point, seemed like such an obvious choice that I said, yes, let's, let's do this. I think, I think, and I know you and I chatted about this before, I, you know, what I've seen in the Army, it's like, or in the military, but obviously you're in the Army, so I was in the Army. So you're either in the Army or you're not in the Army. It's so binary. But the way you're describing your experience, which is not unlike my experience and a lot, a lot of other people's experience in corporate America, is, is you have a lot more freedom to make choices. And as long as you're wise in your decision-making and maybe seeking some counsel and you know making sure that this is right, I mean, you have the opportunity to move to Miami. And I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll get this massive promotion to Dallas and or whatever, I mean, some other place. Yeah. But I mean, you're, ultimately, you're going you're gonna to manage and navigate your career in the way that you want. And if you you know, bottom line, Angela, if you want to be back in New York at some point in the in the future, my suspicion is you can just make that happen, right? I mean, you have full control at this point. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's, you know, there's approval processes in place, right? So um, sure. it's not like a hand wave. Yeah, if you want to move back to New York, let's do it. Yeah. I'm sure we could make that happen, but it's definitely true where, um you know, if you're the benefit of being in a in a large global company or you know a company that has multiple different locations um, mm. on the map, it offers a flexibility where you know you have to be vocal and you have to be proactive in saying, I think I'm interested in this opportunity, or I'm considering, mm. you know, could there be other 
you know, paths and directions for me within this company, you know, whether it's a lateral move to maybe another business segment or it's, you know, to another geography. I think being in organizations that's large enough, there are windows of opportunity within those kind of companies too. And I definitely had that here being in a consulting type of firm where a lot of us are on the road or a lot of us are working remotely or commuting back and forth between, you know, two random points on the planet. Um, You know, having that flexibility to say, I actually want to be based out of Miami now. um, Mm -hmm. That is definitely a possibility. And a lot of people in our company have done that. And I knew early on in my interview process too, they, they also use that as a selling point for me. Um, you know, I wasn't really specifically talking location, but they were saying, listen, we have 46 global offices. Uh, mm-hmm. We have had people move across different areas and geographies and sectors. And I think what they were trying to tell me is, um, you know, they really care about someone's professional and personal development at the firm, right? So whether that means, um, you know, modifying some things to offer the best fit for you and where you want to go in your career, you know, like it's, it was kind of that the world is your oyster, but you have to be proactive and you have to ask for it. And of course you have to be able to earn the right to ask for that. So, yeah. So good because it's it's not like the military in the military. You really don't need to think about career management, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about you owning in managing your career, and, and good or bad, right or wrong, I'm not trying to make a point about if it's good or bad. I'm just making a point. In the military, the career management is is pretty much taken care of, at least for you know a good long while, you know, past 12, 13, 15 years, something like that. Whereas mm-hmm. what you're saying is, and this is this is such a beautiful point, is you just have so much more control, but but you've got to take you at one. You've got to perform. I I really appreciate you saying that because yeah. promotions occur one when your when your brand name right when Angela Jung's brand name is because hard worker dedicated gets results proven all of these things right so your brand is high but then also you get to explore and find places that. Uh, that are interesting to you, places you could go and do different things. So it's just the world, beautiful. The world is your oyster. I think I'm going to yeah. figure out how to make that into the title of this podcast. Because it, <laughs> that truly, yeah, yeah, truly, you do, you, had, you do have the opportunity to do that. And if I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with you, uh, when I was actually um, thinking about this, one of the biggest reasons for me deciding to leave the military too was, yeah, there is an automatic career management system in place. You know, there's your automatic timestamp of you're promoted when you hit this time, this grade, this many years or, you know, whatever in service, or you hit these kind of, um, you know, key roles in your military career. But, you know, as I was kind of thinking about, you know, projecting out into the future, what does that look like? And it's, it, for me, it started feeling a little bit like, uh, it feels a little cookie cutter, right? There, you know, Mm. my career progression isn't, within my own control. And I wanted that own control or, you know, if I'm surpassing my peers and, you know, different areas, or if I feel like I'm, I can really go further and faster than, you know, my peer set, then why can't I have that? So having that flexibility was really important to me um, to be able to show that, yes, I'm, I'm a strong performer, but I'm also rewarded based on being a strong performer um, as well. So, you know, having that control definitely, um, Definitely was a huge piece for me in getting out. I really hope, first of all, thank you 
I really hope that I'm, I'm not, I have a couple more questions for you, but I just want to say thank you yeah, because um, that point, you, you know, here's the, here's the bottom line. I, I, my own story, I grew up in Texas. My wife grew up in Texas. We went to high school together, the whole thing. And so, so when, when I was getting out of the military, geography was really important to her and it was really important to me. And it's just so hard because of the unknowns of getting out of the military that, you know, it's hard to appreciate this kind of finer and nuanced point to career management, as certainly as it relates to lo- location, but certainly we can pull the, the point out to, you know, connect to promotions and the whole deal. Um, I just really appreciate you walking through that because I, tr- you know, and I say this to people, but, you know, hearing it from someone else, hearing it from someone who's actually doing it right now this minute is super, super enlightening and helpful. So thank you. Very nice. Great. I did want to ask you. There's a actually there was a point I want or a question I wanted to ask you on the last topic we were on. So I want to come back to that real quick. So you had mentioned, you said an interesting point. You said, um, you know, I might be, you know, from a business development perspective, I might be, you know, noticing that uh, a company who perhaps isn't a client of ours is, you know, releasing someone, some senior level leader, and and this might be the opportunity for us to to get in there and build a relationship and see if we can solve some of the, you know, meet their needs, solve their problems, the whole thing. How do you, and, and I don't know if, if because of the specificity of your industry and what you do, maybe, maybe there's not overlap, but how do you do some of that research? And do you do any research, company research, business research that you think would be beneficial to JMOs or, or anyone really, but certainly someone who's in the military, who's thinking about getting out of the military, uh, to learn more or just kind of plug into other places? Definitely. So sorry for the sirens sirens in the background, but um, hopefully you can cut that out. But uh, yeah, so no in, in terms of identifying new opportunities um, in the market and for us to, you know, sniff out where, where can we approach something that's going to be fruitful for us, right? Um, so a lot of it, you know, by nature of our work, a lot of it is through conversations. We interview candidates, um, you know, to, to certify them and qualify them for our clients to meet and interview them. So sometimes it's just through these conversations or through our existing clients, right? Um, a lot of our work is repeat business. So whether it's from the client or directly in the market with these candidates, um, sometimes uh, all these these new opportunities kind of surface themselves in these discussions saying, oh yeah, so like a peer of mine, let's say, let's say I was interviewing a CFO uh, or a CTO and they said, oh yeah, my peer probably going to get let go. We're going to reorganize, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So we might get first um, a first wind of that directly from these uh, personal conversations. Um, sometimes we do uh, have market research where we have dedicated people that are paying attention to what's happening out there from news clipping or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, company reports, um, you know, there's a lot of different resources out there that isn't really specific to bi- just business. Um, I mean, I do like Google alerts if I'm interested in a particular industry or a particular company, I'll, you know, do a little Google alert subscription and, you know, mm-hmm. in my inbox every single morning, I'll find out new things or, you know, something that I wasn't actively looking for, it'll passively come into my radar if I need to know something or I should know something um, about a particular company. So, yeah, a lot of it's through word of mouth, a lot of it's through our conversations, repeat business and just 
staying really astute and really keeping your eyes open to what else is out there. Um, and I know the downfall of that is, you know, sometimes there's a lot of information where it becomes information oversaturation, but, you know, allowing yourself to at least be open to picking up different, um, different signals in the market. Um, we, we try to be professionals and be experts at identifying opportunities through, you know, no matter what resources is, you know, available to you. Good. How can it, maybe there's, maybe there's not a good overlap here, but how can a JMO, it, all right, let me, let me, so if you were, knowing what you know now, if you were in yeah. your shoes four plus years ago, thinking about getting out of the military, wanting to research and lo- learn more about business, how, what's one thing off the top of your head, maybe that a JMO could do to kind of start that. I mean, of course, Cameron Brooks, we we focus so much time, energy, and effort on that. But what can they do on their own to mm-hmm. learn something new or to to tap into something like that? Any ideas? Yeah. So I think what's really tough about being a JMO that has no prior business exposure is you really don't know what you're searching for. Like it's a lot of the, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, where do I even begin? I think a really good start is just to pick up like the wall street journal or New York times or any of these, um, you know, fortune magazines or business related magazines and just kind of flip through them passively on your, you know, morning ride into work or, you know, let's say you're, you're eating breakfast, right. Just, you know, try to read Mm -hmm. some news clippings because it'll kind of help you, understand a little bit of that business jargon. Um, And other than that, I think when you start kind of figuring out what you might be interested in, um, just kind of keyword searching. And I mentioned Google alerts before, right? Just kind of keyword searching, um, you know, sales or, you know, data analytics or fintech, whatever big business buzzword may be, um, you know, subscribe to different articles or subscribe to different keywords that you're interested in. And, you know, you can start learning the language that way. But um, Mm -hmm. I like this, this reminds me when I was a JMO and I was trying to learn what business really means and what business really looks like. There are a lot of parallels between the operations and inner workings of leaders within the military. And then similarly in the business world as well. Um, So, you know, being able to really figure out, and and honestly, I'll credit Cameron Brooks to this, and I always take this away with me, but being able to bridge the gap between your relevant experiences and what the business world might be looking for, that is so huge. And I still apply that today when I'm looking at new things or I'm evaluating other people. It's like what previous successes or previous experiences are applicable to the new world or the new age of, you know, the things that I'm looking for. So, um, you know, you can, I think, apply that to your overall search as well, instead of thinking, oh, maybe I'll be a business analyst or maybe I'll be a med device sales rep, right? I think it's more about, you know, was I more about being a researcher? Was I more about being an operations manager? Um, You know, just broadly loosening the language a little bit to be a little bit more generalized and whatever your passion falls in that kind of bigger topic, I think looking at it through that lens when evaluating different opportunities might be a little bit more helpful rather than immediately going to that specific business, you know, title or, you know, business requirement. So um, that might be a little helpful in, in just comparing apples to oranges. 
fantastic advice. Oh my goodness, that's good. Yeah. Because sometimes I talk to people they're like, "Yeah, I want to I want to go into consulting." I think that's one that I hear probably more than most. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we dig into what that actually means, it it's actually and I'll use your phrase, it's more of a broader piece than just, you know, quote consulting, but it has more to do with cross-functional leadership and analytics mm-hmm. and customer facing, which which consulting certainly is, but I mean, I think you could apply that directly to Russell Reynolds, which again, like you said, I didn't know what Russell Reynolds was before I met them. Right. But but you know, your your work is extremely relatable to what, you know, somebody would say, Hey, I'm interested in consulting and it would be like, Okay, well you're probably interested in this thing over here too and this thing over here. So mm-hmm. so really good point. Um there are two points. I've never mentioned this and I don't I get zero credit for this, but I think it's valuable, especially to JMOs. There's two things that I subscribe to every morning. I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal ten point. I have mm-hmm. a subscription, so that's a daily email that I get, but uh, it doesn't work as well unless you have the subscription because you know you click on an article and if you if you're not subscribed then you can't really really read the full article. But anyway, Wall Street Journal Ten Point, and then there's another one called Morning Brew. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's maybe a little bit newer, but okay, yeah. So so it's just kind of a daily, and it, it's a pretty big, you know, thirty thousand foot view email um, with kind of here's what's going on in the world of business today. But it, it hits a bunch of topics. I, for you, you you have your routine. You that may not be as valuable, but um, but maybe for those that are looking for just kind of an entrance into the daily world, um, Morning Brew or Wall Street Journal Ten Point are two pretty good ones that I found value in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One more question for you. So, um, and this is really an advice question. Um, if you were kind of similar to the question I just asked, but maybe on a bigger point, if you were giving advice to yourself four years ago, and we may have already hit this because we've already hit like a couple of really big topics <laughs> and advices, but yeah. is there anything you would want to tell yourself like, hey, make sure to do this or make sure to don't do this or anything like that? Oh, we can talk about this for another hour or so, Pete. Um, <laughs> so... I think if I can broach on two different uh, topics with that, I, I think one is that it's really important to listen first instead of making assumptions, right? Um, and, and I think it's so critical when you're making a name for yourself and you're increasing your brand and you're increasing that brand awareness within whatever company you step into. Um, You know, when I first stepped into my role as a research associate, I did a lot of listening and my boss said, you know, you were sponging it up, right? So you got to be a sponge. You got to really absorb and understand what you're dealing with, especially around the people and the personalities that you're dealing with too. Um, I think, you know, as military officers, we have tremendous amounts of leadership experience and leading other people. But um, I, I think sometimes we can get into this, well, I already know how to do that kind of mentality, no matter what mm-hmm. the, the, the topic is, right? So I think we need to be a little bit more mindful and careful of, let's make sure we understand what we're dealing with first, rather than you know, reacting. So mm-hmm. um, really adjusting to the environment um, at a measured pace, I think is really critical. Um, the second one piece of advice I would say is is pretty important to me, and I have to remind myself constantly, like every single day, is that um, there's only so much that is within your control, and there are going to be a lot of things that are out of your control, right? And it's not mm-hmm. just in the military, and you know, don't just believe that the grass is always greener on the other side. There are plenty of challenges 
within, you know, corporate America that are just a little bit different, but still the same kind of level of challenges and difficulties that you'll see here. Um, so I, I think there's only so much that you can do to control other people or control other people's um, reactions or the way they might think about you. All you can do is really just control what is within your control, which is yourself, your reaction to things, um, your demeanor, or just, you know, how you go about, um, you know, solving different problems, right? So um, you could choose to dwell in something that didn't go your way, or you can kind of plan ahead in the future, really evaluate, you know, do your AARs, right? Really evaluate what went wrong, what could have gone better and just identify what is within your area of control and your realm of control so that moving forward, um, you might not have, you know, as much difficulty in, uh, in different business scenarios. Perfect. Um, great conversation. The, the two main things that I'm going to, I want to highlight when I write, write up the kind of the synopsis is, is one, this idea of managing your career. Now, we got into that conversation starting about location, but ultimately career management and having the opportunity to take control of your career. And the other one is really this idea of, you know, see yourself generally in a few different pockets so that you can explore a lot of different opportunities. So excellent, excellent advice. Thank you so much for giving us a half hour plus of your busy schedule and time. Really great talking to you again, catching up with you, and I'm excited for others to hear your experience uh, on the podcast. Great. Thanks so much, Pete. It was a pleasure getting to catch up again, and uh, thanks so much for this opportunity. I hope it was helpful. It was. Thank you.